Welcome to the Witches and Wine audio experience. my hair. <laughs> <laughs> Hello everybody, Chawan here and I'm in Bali. So just Bali, 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 just Bali everywhere. And this is Liv. I first heard about Liv through the Dream Freedom Beauty podcast. Incredible podcast. Everybody should listen to it. True. One episode where the sort of like the the additional part was mm. you speaking or the contemplate mm. speaking through you. So I was like, oh, this this lady's <laughs> legit, you know. <laughs> and uh, I looked a little bit more contemplate are and uh, it turns out that Liv is a voice diviner. Mm. Uh, we'll talk more about what that means. And I am going to say the first time I heard the cantomble, see, I was just like, ah, uh, right? Yeah, a little scary. <laughs> a little scary, but at the same time, like, I feel like there's a lot about spirituality where it may not look glossy, it may not look perfect, it may not sound perfect, and there's an authenticity and a rawness about it that kind of scares off modern people. Yeah. But the thing is, you weren't always like that. Okay, you first went from becoming, or you were going to become a court stenographer. I did, yeah. I did and now you're one. doing this. Yes. How did that happen? <laughs> um, well, yeah, because when I was, I, I did become, well, whatever that means, but um, I did become a court reporter. So I was a court reporter until age 21. And that was society's programming and that was uh, my parents' programming that was still like very much in my system. I found it um, like deeply disturbing, you know, things that, what do you mean, things that I was experiencing, uh, well a lot that I was experiencing, like I don't um, really necessarily agree with hierarchy and I was realizing that there was, you know, kind of an invisible hierarchy in place where this person is above this person and this and it goes so on and I'm supposed to like find my place in that it wasn't like outwardly said but it was pretty obvious you know so that didn't feel good and it also didn't feel good things that I was like hearing off the record and so I was inside of the so-called judicial justice system and I was seeing that basically it was like full of lies you know and they would say things to me or in front of me that was off the record. And so I was just putting a lot of pieces together and I found it all like really deeply disturbing. Um, and also I realized that I was doing this thing that was where I was making more money than I had definitely ever made before. Court reporters make a lot of money. And um, because it wasn't true to my soul, it was, um, it was really hard to do, you know? And, and so I realized that uh, I was trying to compensate by like shopping a lot, you know? And like buying a lot of shoes <laughs> and doing these things, you know? Uh, because I was trying to fill a void inside. So basically I realized um, like if it was kind of intense. It was like, if this is what life is about, like 
I'm not interested. It wasn't like I was, you know, feeling like committing suicide or anything like that. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying it was really, really like going against my internal system. I was in touch with myself enough to feel that much, you know? Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, I felt really called to uh, the San Francisco Bay Area, you know? And so I just got the courage up to do that. And then, and then once I did that, then I just, um, I just basically decided, like, I've already tried living somebody else's life, and that doesn't work. And so what is it like to live my own life and my own truth? And so I basically just committed to following my heart and listening in that way. And so it was one step led to the next, led to the next, led to the next. And then I got guided, you know, into healing work at first. And then, and then I kept following my intuition, and then I realized that was the voice of spirit, and it just kept, you know getting guided towards the like psychic spiritual side of things without even naming it as such and then I just kept going kept going kept going with these like trainings or these things that I was doing and I put a message out to the universe and asking what's my next step and then it was very clear a message it was like three books or a book or a person came through there's a flyer it was all of it had the word shaman on it you know shamanism but I didn't know what shamanism was, but I did know that the message was really clear, you know? So I started this training with a woman, and I just, like, all of it felt really natural, you know? And then uh, towards the end of that training, um, I just wanted to keep going. I knew that I would, like, I would give my life to it, or I would commit my life to it. It was really clear for me, like, this is it, you know? Like, I was getting closer to the heart of it. And then... Um, she wasn't taking people any further, but she had a, a list of books, and then there was one, for no reason in particular, when I heard it, Maldama Samaya, Water in the Spirit, that these were all books of, like, written by, as she said, shamans, you know, I know that word is, like, loaded for people, but anyway, that's the way she said it, from different cultures, and for whatever reason, it wasn't at that point that I was particularly drawn to Africa, but when I heard that book title, I knew that's the one. I wasn't interested in any other one, but I forgot, I forgot to get that book, and then I was living in Berkeley by that point, and then this guy, Laurence, that I'm friends with, he came to stop by, he was in town from France, and then he and I went for a walk to my friend Ajoa's house, and um, when we were walking, he started randomly talking about this book. That was like, I mean, this is a little bit obscure, right? You uh, know, massively obscure, right? probably. And so I was like, oh, thanks for reminding me. I was going to get this book. And he said, oh, you probably could borrow it from Ajua. She found it on the street. You know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was like, Winston's. <laughs> chills right now. Anyway, still. Mm -hmm. And so obviously I borrowed it from her and I just like, through and I was like who is he or where is he like that's my teacher you know it's just a really strong knowing and then and nothing makes sense about it like if you were just looking you know skin deep obviously I express as a person in like lighter skin or whatever but it doesn't make sense if you're approaching things you know at, at face value right and yet our souls you know our souls know things and our spirits know things you know and so Anyway, so I started working with Maladama, and he is, like, legit for sure. Maladama is super legit. But um, anyway, and then when I started studying with him, it just was like this remembering, you know, started a remembering catalyzed or ignited, and it just kept going, and it kept going. And then I would go to Burkina, and then I would remember it, you know? And 
it was frustrating to me that I couldn't remember all of it so fast, but I knew it, you know, and it wasn't like the way some people, uh, you know, maybe are in Egypt and they remember, oh, they've been in Egypt before, so it's like reminiscent of a past life and you're just kind of ruminating on a past life. It wasn't that. It was like, it was, it was set up, designed just in that way that I was supposed to remember in such a way that it's, it's very much like the, the central aspect of my life. You know what I mean? Not like you're ruminating on a past yeah. life. And so these rememberings were ignited and happening when I'd go to Burkina. And then over the years... And Burkina is an area in Africa, right? right? I know. Some people don't know where... Sorry. For those who don't know, a lot of people don't know. Right. Okay. Burkina Faso is in West Africa. It's a country in West Africa. And so as that was happening in Maladoma, after the training ended, he would ask me to come back and assist and so on. Like he was seeing things and knowing things about me <clears throat> that I, I didn't know. And I was, you know, really shy and introverted and just like kind of trying to find my way, you know, like speaking in a group was the hardest thing for me. Over the years, no matter like five times visiting Burkina and then going through these initiations and so on, no matter which um, village that I would go to, I would sit with the diviners and they would <clears throat> always recognize me as a Kuntumle person, you know, because they're able to see, see. And what does that mean? It means like, well, for sure it means I come from that world, their world, and then Kuntumle is their name for the little people, you know, which there's names for the little people all over, like we were talking about before, which they might be the leprechauns of Ireland, or they'd be the Menahune of Hawaii, or they'd be, you know, uh, the the elves of the Buddha folk of Iceland, and it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. It's so interesting that you use the word remembering, um, because I think a lot of people, they're in the situation you were when you were the, the court reporter, totally. so they know they're supposed to be doing something more with their life. Totally. But the thing is, how do you know what it is you're supposed to do? Like you said, you followed your heart. Mm -hmm. What does that feel like? What does that sound like? I mean, how did you know that was following your heart and not, let's say, following some other voice or following some other thing of society? Can you feel your heart? Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes, but you know what? Like, even though I base my life around spirituality, right. it's very difficult to right. actually hear your heart. Right. So how did you do it when you were in the midst of, like, this Carrie Bradshaw, like, everybody thinks from the outside in, yes, Carrie I want Bradshaw. her lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, how'd you do that? Um, well, I guess the way I could explain it is there is a feeling inside of when I was going against my truth and my being and it actually felt really almost physical or something like it got to the point I mean I was only a court reporter maybe for a year a year and a half I don't even know if for two years and there was a feeling of when I go into the courtroom that it just felt like this doesn't feel right you know and so I knew what that feeling felt like of like and it became, the more I was doing the thing that felt, this doesn't feel right. You know, it actually became really difficult. And I also had this knowing somehow, I had the feeling that if I continue on this path, I'm gonna get sick. I just had this internal knowing somehow, I might actually get a disease. You know, somehow I just knew that. And it just, it's, our body has, our body has 
knowing, you know, and it talks to us. And so it just felt like if I if I kept doing that thing, then it just was getting harder and harder. And I feel people do experience that. It's like oh, but they ignore so it. Hard. They go to the doctor. Yeah. And the doctor puts them on some I don't know, like Prozac oh, yeah, or something. Totally. Or maybe just finding a way um, to to get in touch with that. I mean, I guess there's different ways people do that. Maybe they practice yoga or they start practicing meditation or something, some ways that we're able to just, even I think, just tuning into our internal self, even for a moment, will help, you know, get us to that place. And I do feel, I do feel that we all have that capacity to, um, even through, even through maybe the haze of the meds, you know, because I do believe a lot of people are on meds, you know, I've been prescribed for this, exactly what you've just said, and I do feel even through that haze, haze, it's possible to, to, to feel that voice, even if it feels like a little voice, and even, you know, for those listening, if they are curious or wondering, um, how do I know, then maybe just take a moment to close your eyes and then just feel if you ask your body um, is this the thing for me what does it feel like you know because because we're I feel we're um, we receive those messages all the time even about the, the little or the big things you know seemingly the little decisions are the big ones and by now I just try to be really thorough with just that even if I don't understand, and a lot of times I don't understand why, but it's okay to not understand why and to trust still. We still can trust and not understand why. A lot of the ways that I've lived my life for the past at least 14 or 15 years don't make sense to a lot of people, or they haven't. And maybe, maybe it's just recent that my mom was like, oh, actually? Okay, I was wrong. <laughs> and I was like, will you say that a little louder? <laughs> what did you say? She's like, don't make me say it. I'm like, no, I am going to. Because <laughs> you were telling me I'm going to go to hell <laughs> for years. And so I'm going to ask you to say that again, you know? Just like, let me revel in it for a minute. <laughs> you know? I feel you know that. What I, mean? I feel that. I feel that Asian yeah, parents, yeah. right? It's sort of like, you're not a doctor, you're not a lawyer, you failed at life. Oh, really? Right? Is yeah. that what it is? I think a lot of, especially uh, immigrant parents, mm. they put all of their time, money, investment into their children. Mm. So these children are products that right. need to give return on investment. Right. And so if they can't, brag to their friends, oh, you know, my kid who went to Harvard, law, right? right. Hair flip. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if they can't say that and instead they're just like, oh, you know, like my daughter, she just does ayahuasca in the jungle. Right, totally. You know, then it's sort of like, oh, you failed as a mother. And so I feel that a lot of especially yeah. Asian mothers, um, maybe they themselves, they they have this feeling. Mm. I, I think my mother had this too, where she knew certain things that would have made for a better life, but mm. she felt society pressuring her to do certain things. Right. And I think a lot of women, because we have families, we have you know a lot of responsibilities, right. the feeling of, well, I need to go on this path 
to benefit everybody else. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, that's hard. So how does a woman who does have the family, the house, people depending on her, how does right. she do what her heart tells her to do without letting other people down? That's a good question. Yeah. Please. <laughs> Will you ask it one more time? Sure. So how does a woman yeah. who has kids, the house, the car, right. people depending on her at right. work, because let's face it, a lot of times women, they have a lot on their shoulders. Right. How does she follow what's in her heart right. for her without everything else falling apart? Mm. Well, maybe by having the conversation with the family and um, with everybody involved that maybe would be particularly impacted by the decision, um, explaining the value of possibly following the heart or the importance, you know? It's like, I do feel it's really related to health, too. I mean, that's more, that's more intuitive that I feel that, you know, it's, it's speaking from my intuition, but uh, following our heart, well, it's good for our hearts not following our heart, actually, maybe you'd have a heart attack like my dad did. Mm. I mean, and I'm not a person that's guided by science, and you probably could find the evidence for that in science if somebody really wanted to, you know, if they needed that. Um, and, and it really, I think, can be... And so if, if you're just simply valuing your health, and that's a reason why. Well, that's a good reason. Right. If you don't have your health, you can't take care of anybody. I think I told this to Lena how yeah. when the oxygen mask comes out of the airplane, you put it on yourself first, no, then you put it on your kid. When we have an issue that the doctor says, oh, it's in your head or right. what have you, but you know you're always tired. Um, maybe you're either gaining a lot of weight or losing a lot of weight. Right. And it's like that mystery illness that I think a lot of women are getting these days. Maybe that's a sign that you're not following your heart. Totally. I mean, <clears throat> yeah. and maybe maybe it would be helpful for people to start to fall in love with and get comfortable with taking risks. That's hard. It's really hard. And? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I noticed, like, I can only speak from my own experience, but I noticed the spirits that I work with, they really, really, really ask me to take major risks a lot like it seems like they keep asking me to like level up and level up and level up each time like really each time it's kind of like going all in and when i say going all in i mean whether you're looking at that financially or however they're asking me to go all in like throw it all in all the time but what i've experienced as a result of that is well a lot of people they relate to me as a woman that walks with a lot of courage and that's because i've been willing to and I've, before that, maybe maybe even seven years ago, I would consider myself more like riddled with fears than courage, you know? A lot of fears, a lot, a lot of fears. And I've noticed the more just, okay, I'm gonna trust, I'm gonna trust, I'm gonna trust. Trust is a practice, isn't it? That's what I think about trust. It's kind of like a practice. It's, it's also a choice. We choose to trust. It's a choice and also it's a practice. This is what I feel about trust. And so um, maybe if it's our uh, connection, like a heart connection, then it's like our heart gets stronger, 
you know, you, you choose to trust and trust and trust and trust and trust. And then lo and behold, some of these things, maybe a lot of them turn out well. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in Bali with some really cool people. <laughs> this is a really good reason. And if you could see him and her, you would see these are really, really three really, really good reasons to trust. <laughs> because, because I, I used to be married and I used to be in a different reality and I like all due respect to my ex and it's not like and I was trying to I was trying to kind of like a little bit do a traditional role but I'm not like what I've come to accept about myself is I'm not a traditional person or conventional or however the the word would be to describe that and I think it was confusing for both of us you know I was trying to be my mom and my grandma or like this whole line of ancestors that that's not me it's how do we be who we truly are and that what I've come to experiences and just really 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 staying true to that I mean I live a really super unconventional life and I fucking love it there that's my first fuck <laughs> I really really fucking love it it's like Seriously, and then you find yourself in Bali, and no, I don't have some 10-year plan or something. I'm following spirit. I'm not trying to, like, you know, find the, like, hidden safety net or something. I'm the spirit is your safety net. Yeah. Spirit is your safety net. The yeah. spirit is all of our safety nets. Yeah. So how did you first get initiated into talking with the Contemplate? Hmm. I would say I would say the true initiation with that, with their voice coming through me, remembering how to speak in their tongue, is um, I would say the true initiation for that it happened spontaneously in a sense. And I always heard about these Kantumle caves in Burkina and um, the Kantumle cave. So okay. I don't know if you've heard about this yet with Maladoma, but he'll talk about gatekeepers. And gatekeepers as he is defining it or articulating it, gatekeepers are like gay, lesbian, uh, could be transgender, uh, like gender fluid, um, bisexual, uh, people that are born into the world with a particular vibratory field that enables them, especially, uh, it gives them uh, access to hidden dimensions, particular portals of the earth. There's Quintumli Caves in Burkina where who would be able to access that dimension, I'm talking physically, would be specific gatekeepers specific to be able to access that. These are Not literal anybody, caves. These actual are literal caves. caves. Literal and, caves. Uh-huh. And actual like maybe if those two men died, maybe that cave couldn't be opened. When you say open, you mean yeah. people could go into it, but you mean like the spiritual gate inside the cave can't be opened? Yes. Or just people are not allowed to go inside the no, cave No, no, no. I mean, I mean, there's actually a threshold space that I experienced because I actually was, I did end up getting to go to those caves. I'm talking about a man being able to do, a gatekeeper being able to do an invocation whistling and these utterances of words that's so powerful that a cave wall is able to crack open. That's what I'm talking about. Or, wait a second. Okay. <laughs> so I'm saying actually. 
So literally, there's a person, perhaps an LGBTQ person, yes. who goes in, and any other person can go in and do the same whistles, and the cave will just be a cave. The cave will be a cave. But that particular gatekeeper can go in, do that, yes, and then the cave will physically yes. respond. Yes, like cave Holy wall. Holy shit! Cave wall like cracked open. Oh cave God. wall cracked open, and then, and then. And then this is interesting because I always thought, oh, it'd be so cool to, you know, meet the Kintomi in the flesh. This is amazing that this can happen in Burkina. Yes, there are places on the earth where things like this still happen because they choose if they're going to show themselves to us or not. It's up to them. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, so I'm in that cave and for as long as I so wanted to go there and I thought, hey, that would be like so amazing or so cool to experience that. When that moment was actually there, I was scared. I was really scared. And so I had my offerings and it takes a certain amount of energy for him to be able to do that and this like huge clack and then, you know, all of us were like, you know, a little bit like <laughs> a little bit like, what the fuck just happened, you know? And then and then the gatekeeper is like, Go, you know, go, make your offerings. And so I had my offering and when I got up enough courage to go in to make this offering to the Kintomle, I'm talking about I'm talking about a little person. That's like what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a little person. A real little person. Yes, that comes from the other dimension into this uh -huh. dimension physically. That's what I'm talking about. Whoa. And so I got up enough courage to go and make the offering, which was a bottle of liquor. Nice. <laughs> By the way, if you like liquor, they like spirits like spirits. <laughs> True story. And so I go and I'm like shaking, you know, scared to like go and make the offering to the Kintomi and they're talking in their tongue and they're like, ah, uh -huh. piercing. And at that time I didn't know how to understand them. So I'm just like, you know, shaking and going to give this bottle of liquor and they just, their little hands came on and they have the like powerful energy and it's like, it just gets pulled in like a vacuum or something and <clears throat> it scared the shit out of me. I bet, oh my god. And so I'm like walking away and I'm like in total shock. And then and then I go and the African man that's also helping that was there, the Burkina man, he sees me and he just starts like cracking up laughing. And so I like go and I like sit down and I'm like, oh fuck, what just happened? They came into the flesh and then and then and then when the shuts then they're back in their world and after that for like an hour those of us that were there we didn't talk we were in shock we were in complete shock because all of that western conditioning that was still in my being and even though i felt oh i trust spirit well i mean what do you do when you actually like because that's all the the conditioning it says you know well uh what you believe like what you can see and touch yeah. and that it's like no it actually came in the flesh and then it went into the other world it just like shattered you know what happened after that was i was just there in burkina for two weeks during that trip and then i went back to san francisco and then when i went back to san francisco <clears throat> i i got really sick and i i I was taking malaria meds and then anyway basically I got really sick and I was in denial that I could possibly have malaria and that was the last thing that I wanted to think was happening and because I was so afraid of like I didn't have medical insurance and I was afraid of how much it could cost at the hospital. I finally had 
to go. I was hoping it was like the flu or a fever or something like that. And then it was New Year's that I just was, I was, I was really sick. And I could, I was like vomiting all the time and I couldn't really, I was starting to like not be able to see well. And so my friend, she took me to the hospital and I was having a hard time walking or seeing well and could not stop vomiting. And then I was telling her, I, I felt like I was, I was dying. I, I didn't, I was dying. And I asked her to call my mom to tell her that I was dying because I was dying. And I could feel death right there. And, and so she was saying, no, you can't ask, you can't ask me. And I'm like, I'm actually dying. I know, I don't know how I'm, this is death right here. And so they did tests on me and then they realized that like my whole system was like full of malaria and that they were able to get a treatment in time that I was like basically had a day to live. And, and I could feel it and it, it was, the threshold was right there. And then during that time and when I was vomiting, these like really weird sounds were coming out. They were like squeaky sounds or something. And From could, your throat? Yeah, and so I could hear and I could feel also the contumely so close and I was asking them like, what is going on? And they were saying initiation. And I got really angry with them because I had already been through like so many tests and so many initiations already. And I was like, how many fucking initiations do I have to go through, you know? I was, I was pissed, you know? And, and then, but I was like in that fire and, and then they were remaking me. And then, and then obviously like I lived through it, you know, it was like a really slow healing process, but also I knew that they, were, well now I know that they were remaking me and they were remaking me more in their likeness and through that process um, I just, it was like a slow healing but they were transforming me and then what happened after that, slowly after that was that when I would do my usual invocations where I'm like shaking the rattle and ringing the bells then these squeaky sounds would start coming or like squealy or squeaky sounds were starting to come through my voice which it took like six months and then they were they were like stretching out my vocal cords and then they were it was this whole process of being able to remember their tongue they're really tough teachers you know the contemporary are really tough teachers and so they they want everything completely precise and if when I was translating it with them, I would say something, a word's not right. They would say, no. And I would try it again, I'd feel, I would say, oh, this. And then they would say, yes. They want it completely precise. So that was like, that was the actual initiation that enabled me to speak in their tongue or to remember their tongue. And this their... language is not spoken by, this is like a spiritual language? Yeah, it's a, um, I would say it's like a, like a primal tongue. That's the way it feels to me, like a primal tongue that, to me, when I listen to their communication, it feels to me a little bit more like, it would be like a sound of nature or something. So how did you learn to translate? Is it that you hear them in your mind translating? I would, it would be like, because most of my, like my stronger senses come through my feeling. Uh -huh. And so I would feel it and then I would think, oh, it feels like they're saying this. And then that's how I would come up with what I was saying back to them. Is this what you're saying? And then we just got, that's how my, that's just how we got into a flow. And so by now, um, uh, we just, we just flow. And they're so, 
even sometimes if they, the way the translation comes through, the way they're translating it to English, even if it sounds like a simple phrase, they're so specific about language. But I noticed too with them, when they send through these frequencies, uh, even though it can sound like a simple phrase, it's multidimensional because they're multidimensional beings. And so it can be received by people multidimensionally. Like in a ceremony one time, they were going on this whole teaching about pray is play and play is pray. And they were like all playful that day. <laughs> Sometimes they like to rhyme. <laughs> and so they're like, pray is play and play is pray. And they're like having fun, you know, but in a different moment too, with a different community of people, they'll come through like, it's definitely not love and light. I was about to say, like... Oh, no, hell no, it's not love and light. You know, like, so many people in the New Age community, they want everything to be like that. Oh, they do. But do it's you? not <laughs> at all. Like, I'm... No, it's not, right? I, yeah, and to be honest, like, I'm literally afraid of a lot of these spirits, you know? Like, yeah, can we just talk about this? Yes, please. Like, no, it's not love and light. It's not. Yeah. Like, these are massive energies totally. that are older than anything you can imagine yeah. like respect the contomle like they're not for uh the person that wants their like ego stroked yeah. they're not at all because i mean and i told you too like i've come through conditioning of being like i was raised as a people pleaser you know like they'll come through and they say things and i'm like really you want me to say that <laughs> i mean really they're like say it and that's my agreement to them i'm gonna say what i'm like fuck and then they come in and it's very physical and they come through and then they're saying what they say and all experience people in a certain way and think like, let's say for example, a community of people that seem like, yeah. well, that's how they're presenting anyway, right? Yeah. And I'll like, okay, I'm going to take your word for it. Like, all right, you know, I'll take your word for it. I will, but they don't. Uh -huh. And so they come in and they're just like, ah, and saying like these calling things. out people? Well, they will, but they um, sometimes are just like, uh, okay, I'll give an example. Like, in, in, I had a tree ceremony in the Pacific Northwest where it was like honoring, making way for grief for all the trees that have been massacred, basically, like the clear cuts, right? Um, and they're starting out, and I'm behind a tree, so that's where I'm like, and then the community is on the other side, and the Kintomle, uh, come in there and they were starting to like go off on this whole thing about like bombs in the belly or something and they were talking about and is it okay oh because they're very provocative they provoke they'll like poke mm. and they'll provoke and they keep poking at people's energy field and they'll say and is it okay for you that you're going to you're that uh, you're going to war with the world and is it okay that your country is bombing Afghanistan is, is it okay that little children are dying is it okay and they'll just poke and poke and poke and I have no idea why they're saying this and they're talking about like bombs in the belly and I'm just over there and I'm just like oh, they're really going for it you know and then and then all of a sudden I'll hear people like ah! and just like seemingly go crazy and then they're like wailing and crying and that 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 was there to begin with the contumely were trying to like expel the toxicity that energy was already there they're trying to like get it out of people's systems it's like it's like the the toxicity of the matrix they're literally trying to get it outside and so they're saying this and people will vomit 
And so I'm like peeking around the tree <laughs> while I'm running. Like, oh, fuck. And actually, people will. And so because I've worked with them for this long, and they'll, you know, it'll, you know, if there's stuff in me too, it'll come out. And that's why. And some people will say, oh, this is like, oh, I get it. It's like shadow work that you're doing with them. Like, I guess, call it whatever you want to call it. They're just basically they're basically like calling out what's there already and they're just looking at it because they're looking at us energetically and so they're just seeing it and they're like hey do you want to talk about that pain do you want to talk about that thing that's already there and just fucking just say it that's more my uh my usual experience these days of connecting with them and then experiencing so no matter like if it's just the it's not just the united states it's traveling into other places and experiencing this too and so seeing that like that illusion shatter, you know, that that illusion that we're trying to maintain that is like, do we really want to keep maintaining the facade? Because we have a choice and we know we do, you know, like that facade, it takes a lot of energy every day. It's a little bit exhausting, you know, maintaining the facade. The thing that you went through for your initiation was a complete erasing of the facade of this is reality. Totally. But then there's little people that you actually physically saw from a crack totally. in the cave. So it's all, this is all a facade, right? Yeah, and yeah, yeah, the Katambale yeah, exactly. are trying to be like super authentic. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, total authentic. I know what you're talking about. I just paused because I was getting chills. I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah authenticity <laughs> is scary. Like, uh-huh. No, it's I'm scary. people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but authenticity is super scary. Why? Because most people can't handle it. Why? I'm trying to figure that out because sometimes I can't handle it. Sometimes Why? I feel that it's too real. There's something about the facade that's like processed food. It's easy to digest without little, with just very little effort. But when it's real and when it's authentic, there's like the fibrousness of reality going through you. I mean, I think it's, it's nice to just ask these questions. Why too? Because yeah. I think about this a lot. And I heard the Contemplary say one time that it's even a like a, a modern phenomenon that even like the word authentic like think about that they were saying like in the old days there would not be a word for authentic because right. why would you be anything other than authentic why right I mean this is a this is a modern phenomenon that we're that we do the facade I mean when I go and I spend time in villages all over the world it's not like I'm wow these people are being so inauthentic. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They're just being themselves. They're just being themselves. And so what's so frightening about just being ourselves? Ah, uh, the veneer of civilization. I think that's yeah. what it is. But what is civilization? It's oftentimes cruelty uh, masked with right. a velvet glove, right? Totally. And I was like super fascinated by what you were telling me also earlier. I don't know if we're recording already then, but I'm super fascinated hearing in Korea that um, like shamanism is just like kind of getting strong there it's coming, coming through back. strong and you're saying that it's even like cool you know to kids that like if their mother or something like to me I'm like super fascinated I'm, like it's where we're all headed you know we've been trying to just be like oh no spirits not real no 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 but meanwhile people are getting like mauled by entities do you know what I mean? Yeah. And they, they seep in and they come in through the cracks and they come in through our insecurities and everything and we're and then meanwhile other spirits are talking to us and then we're so deeply conditioned to think that we're hearing voices. 
in these in this shifting time where I believe this like paradigm that we're coming into that people can also get help because I feel people also really need help with the entities that are also like um, wanting them to take their life. I see that happening a lot in the United States. Do you physically see these entities or is it like you're just walking on the street like I don't know like in New York City or LA and you'll see like certain entities Somewhat, attached? yeah like I it's not my strongest sense uh -huh. you know but I it'll come through like feeling seeing you know and I can sense them like because I've been tracking these energies for long enough and sensing and experiencing how they really really um, uh, can fracture the most well-intentioned community they, they're like they fracture they you know make us feel oh we're different oh I don't really understand you or you don't really understand me oh we're different you know they always want us to think we're different and so um, it'll come in a little bit through like uh, like uh, seeing seeing feeling you know but but then I'm like ah oh, that's what it is it's an entity and also because there's there are healers that I work with where I'm just constantly in the process of being cleared also to try to make sure that I stay clear in myself and I just I do that weekly and I'll notice like let's say if I'm traveling through the United States it's it's rare that I won't pick up something it's amazing so Bali is like such an amazing example of they acknowledge they acknowledge they it acknowledge. and it's like they're obviously in something that people might consider like a love and light energy like super super heart-centered and like beautiful beautiful like heart energy real mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. authentic and they're not denying that you know entities or demons or things like this exist and you know so there are all sorts of reasons why I feel like it's really um, almost like crucial to bring more of the spirit-based conversation into the totality of even just like the wellness of a human being. I totally agree like I am a former atheist like hardcore really? skeptical atheist like completely all about material science. Um, How long ago? Until about two, two and a half years ago. Really? So like, one of the reasons seriously? why I'm doing these videos is because. Wow. Um, thank you. I feel <laughs> two and a half years ago. Two and a half years That's ago, amazing. about. Um, I still struggle with it now. And I talk to people because I feel as though they are kind of like experts. You know, like I would read books when I was a skeptic, oh. and I'd be like, "This is Christopher Hitchens. This is you know Richard Dawkins." I'm looking through their expertise, and oh. I'm trying to see the evidence they're putting forth. People that I talk to, like yourself, um, you're giving me the sort of, um, I guess, your experiences are right. helping me kind of see things and educate myself. But it's hard, I think, to live in the modern world and to still have that one foot in the spirit world. It's a hard balance. How do you do it? Well, let's change it. That's yeah. That's uh, that's what I'm working on. <laughs> I'm not I'm not interested in conforming to this so-called culture that was designed in ways that um, squeezes out life force that is squeezing out this person and this person and this person and this person and all the so-called others. However, that, that list of other is so long by now that the, like the narrow bandwidth, how narrow that is of what is supposedly okay, I mean, you're suffocating yourself. And so I'm not, I'm not interested in, I'm not interested in, uh, trying to squeeze myself into that, like that is a recipe for um, 
just angst. I'm not, I'm not gonna, you know, try to talk somebody into believing that spirit is real. That would be a waste of my energy. I'm not interested in that. Um, I'm interested, I am also interested in saying this is, this is what I for myself know to be real and there are so many of us that do. And, and we don't need to like get our information from the outside validated in order to know what we know. Direct experience is, why would that not be as uh, real, if not more real, than what you could get from an outer source? Why is direct experience not enough? That's, I feel like, a decent question to ask. Very decent question. You know? So, I'm more interested in um, feeding, feeding a different culture. I'm a little bit relentless about this, because spirits that are with me, they're a little bit relentless about this, and that's why I'm just, at the risk of being a broken record, I'll just keep talking about spirit, you know? Because um, it's showing, it helps other people come out. Within modern culture, I feel there is a dynamic conversation going on, and so um, I'm interested in just continuously adding spirit to that, like, hey, what about spirit? Hey, oh yeah, remember your ancestors? Hey, I've been talking about this for 14 years, a little bit like a broken record, you know, which is fine. All those that are getting called to do that too, it, it is, I do see the shift happening. I see it happening as yeah. well. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to the Witches and Wine audio experience. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting me on Patreon. You can choose between a few membership tiers. They're super affordable and flexible. Your membership helps me continue making videos, podcasts, articles, lots of different things about all the sweet witchy stuff. Links are in the show notes. Also, don't forget to go on iTunes and give this a five-star rating. Each five-star rating helps rank this podcast higher in searches so that as many witches can find and enjoy these episodes as well. Until next time, this is Chawan, signing off.